0: Welcome to Define Normal, a podcast where everything and nothing is normal. I'm your host, Shelby, and welcome to episode 50. I'm so excited that we made it here. And I really couldn't have done it without all of you who continue to listen, whether this is your first episode or this is your 50th right along with me. Um, I'm just so thankful for this community and all of your feedback and all of your conversations around the topics and all of my friends and guests who've joined the podcast. It just really means so much to have your support and the reason why I'm still here doing these episodes. Today's a solo episode. First of all, happy Black History Month. This episode is going live on Feb 1st. So happy Black History Month to everyone. I am talking a bit this episode about my writing. I know I've talked about the book quite a bit, uh, but I want to give an update on just writing in general. So in January, I went on a writing retreat with Generation Women, and Generation Women is a show, it's a multi-generational storytelling show in New York City. I'm actually performing at it this week on Friday, so that's really exciting, we'll get into that in a bit. But they, for the first time, they hosted a writing retreat, and so I saw it on their Instagram. I've been to a Generation Women show before, and I saw it on their Instagram and decided to apply. So I submitted for my writing sample a bit of what I've been writing for my book manuscript, and... Luckily, I got in, so that was really exciting, and I have to say, I've been working on calling myself a writer. I talk a lot to my friends and on this platform about writing and writing my book and storytelling, but I realized that I've had a hard time clamoring to the identity of being a writer, mostly because I don't really share my writing. I just talk about it, so we're working on that, but the writing retreat was awesome. It was in the Catskills for a few days, and it really was a manifestation of mine. So I talked about vision boarding in my first solo episode of the year. This year, I really want to work on honing the craft of writing, sharing my stories, getting essays published, getting a publisher for my book, getting a book agent, finishing the manuscript. And I really want to push myself to talk about it less and do more. So it's funny, the year came in hot Yes, the universe heard me there because it's, you know, we're one month in and it's all happening. So after getting into the writing retreat, I just kind of was nervous, if we're being honest. Like I did the hard thing and put myself out there and applied. Once I got in, I was kind of like, all right, we're doing this. And we were all put on an email thread to introduce us and talk about logistics of the trip. And I've just been so scatterbrained and typical Shelby fashion because I move around a lot. Like... Uh, You know, work travel, life travel, just like on and off planes. That sometimes I just like can only think about one thing at a time. So as the writing retreat is approaching, and I'm going to the Catskills, I have not looked up train times. It's the day before the retreat. I've not looked up train times. I don't know what time I need to leave. Like I'm, it's a mess. So luckily, one of the women on the retreat emailed and said, "Hey, if anyone lives in Brooklyn, I'm going to drive to the Catskills." I ended up renting a car. Oh my God, the way that she saved my life. I replied to that email and I was like, hey, like, I would love to ride with you if that's still a choice, if that's still an option. So, took her up on that, took a road trip with a stranger who is now a friend, but I just have really been going for it in um, the year 2023. And so, we took a road trip to the Catskills, got to know each other, it was lovely. But then, upon arrival to the house, I was like, okay, wow, now time to meet more strangers. So, it was just beautiful. It was a great experience. I think one of the best things about generation women is the intergenerational or multi-generational uh, piece of it. It was really cool to spend time with women in their 20s, but also women in their 30s, 40s, 60s, etc. Um, and hear their stories and just talk about life. Like we ate dinner together. We had quiet hours during the day and we would spend time writing. And But then after quiet hours, we would just get into these conversations about life and our families and our friends and relationships and it was just really amazing how deep we got. To know me is to know. I love a deep conversation, like no small talk. Um, it was amazing how deep we got, how much we laughed, and how much we shared. So going to this house of strangers, it was like the real world. I'm going to live with these women for a few days and quickly like became friends and just like breached these really interesting topics and, and just learned a lot about each other. Also, as part of the retreat, Georgia, who started Generation Women, offers a one-on-one with her. Uh, she is I believe a three-time published author she writes romance novels and Georgia is just amazing like amazing editor had amazing advice I really enjoyed my one-on-one with her it gave me great perspective I went in being kind of I don't know shy like I I don't know I'm struggling with, like I said, my identity surrounding being an author and being a writer. And so spending time with someone who actually is a published author um, and an amazing editor, in some ways is intimidating, not because Georgia is intimidating, but because I'm like, ah, am I really doing this? Like, do I know what I'm doing? And she was just really reassuring. She's like, the reason you're here is because I liked your writing submission. So clearly something is here. And I've, to be frank, had a lot of insecurity around trying to publish a book without a platform. I don't want to be self-published. I want a publisher to pick it up. I want an agent. I want the whole experience. And I'm a person who has like not even 2,000 followers on Instagram and doesn't have a big following really on any platform. So I'm like, you know, a lot of the books I read, I read a lot of memoirs lately and almost every book I've read, the person has some kind of notoriety outside of being a published author. Um, whether it be like they were on Forbes 30 or 30 or they had a huge podcast before or they were an influencer. And I i haven't honestly read a lot of books lately by people who are not one of those things. So as I'm preparing to write a memoir, I'm like, okay, so who's going to read this? Because I'm not you know, a person who has celebrity status or influencer status. And I was really letting that get in my head, if we're being honest. I know my story is worth telling or I would not put myself through the drama of writing a book. But I am struggling with why would a publisher purchase it if they've never heard of me? You know, especially in the midst of this Prince Harry memoir time where everyone's reading it and commenting it and make making fun of his memoir. But Prince Harry is, you know, he has world-renowned fame. Like, everyone knows who he is. It's so funny. I saw one of my friends tweeted, do we know what Prince Harry's last name is? Because we literally just don't even say his full name. We're just like, yeah, Prince Harry. And everyone knows who you're talking about. So you know, writing a memoir in the time where all these people are, like, you know, Prince Harry level and, above, and below, uh, but still have status is like a big, big shoes to fill. And Georgia said to me, Shelby, just write the book. Like the writing is good. The subject is interesting. People are publishing stories that are memoirs of younger people, are memoirs about race and tokenism and things like that. So I just needed that reassurance, if we're being honest. I just needed that reassurance. And I loved just her notes and some tactical advice on how to get this off the ground. Just stuff I didn't have. I was just, you know, writing in a Word doc, my manuscript, or not a Word doc, okay, but like a Google doc. I just got so much advice from her on how to move forward, which was really helpful because I think when there's a lot in front of you, you're just like, I don't know what to do next. I'm freaking out. I'm spiraling. I've, you know, felt all the emotions or I just freeze, right? Like I'm so daunted by the task sometimes that I'll sit down and read and be like, all right, I'd rather do my taxes than do this at this point because I'm so like overwhelmed. That really gave me so much because that time, that quiet time where we were sitting in the Catskills and just writing, there was nothing else for me to do. I wasn't texting people. I wasn't meeting friends for drinks. I wasn't drinking at all. I was sitting in a house in quiet time, not surrounded by a lot of distractions and just writing. And so that was really good for me. And also just assemble for what I should be doing. I think I make a lot of excuses about why I don't have time to write or like why I'm only writing for like an hour today because I like need to run to this and I need to do that. And it was really centering to just give myself the time to focus only on that. And it's clearly something I need to do more frequently is like, okay, you're going to write for these two hours and you aren't going to do anything else so that's a practice I need to implement more instead of just kind of writing when I feel like it like that's definitely not how a book gets done so that was great and it also opened me to work on other stuff so I wrote a lot while I was there but I when I hit a wall with my memoir I was like let me just like write some other stories I wanna talk about. There are a few essays I have in me that I wanna share about like friendship and some experiences that have happened to me lately that I don't know are necessarily a fit for the book, but just, you know, stories I wanna get out into the world. And I wrote a really fun essay about one of my friends and it was just in our friendship and just how it's evolved over the years. And that was really awesome. And I just loved the retreat. It really made me settle into like, okay, I am a writer and I am good at this. And during the retreat, We all shared some of our writing and what we were working on during the time. It was voluntary, but ultimately we all ended up doing it. And I appreciated the push because at first I was definitely like, I'm not sharing my writing. That's not happening. I ended up sharing the essay I wrote about one of my friends, just like a part of it. And it was really, really well received. And again, that was just affirming. Like so much of this writing lives in my head. I don't really share it with people. I'm kind of awkward about it because I'm like, is it good? I just loved getting the opportunity to do something so vulnerable as sharing my writing with people. Listening to other women's stories, they were just so good. Like the power of storytelling is amazing. It was so funny to hear about their experiences. Some of them were very vulnerable and honest and just made me think in a different way. And I I just, it really, really, really was great. I can't say enough good things about the Generation Women Retreat. It was magical and they're doing another one. So from March 24th to March 27th, there will be another retreat in the Catskills. Applications closed for it on Feb 13th. So if you're in the New York area and you're interested, I would definitely, definitely apply. I will put in the show notes the application. But if you have any interest in writing, you should definitely consider applying. It was a blast. We also had a chef. We had like happy hour wine nights. It, there was a hot tub at the house. Like it was just. really, really lovely time and I met some women who I never would have met otherwise and I feel really lucky to be connected to them. So as a result of the Generation Women Retreat, I was asked to represent Team 20s at the Next Generation Women show. So the next show is this Friday and the theme is Wild at Heart, Stories of Bold Moves and Big Choices. I'm telling a story (laughs) in front of A Room of People at Joe's Pub. It's a sold out show. I'm really excited. I'll also put in the show notes uh, the link to the virtual show if you're interested in watching. There's a really great lineup. I'm going to go first because I'm representing Team 20s. But Mona, who I was on the retreat with, she is representing Team 30s. She was awesome. As well as Anthula, who's representing Team 50s. And Angela, who's representing Team 60s. We were all on the retreat together just like amazing storytellers. It was great hearing their writing at the retreat. So I can only imagine what they're going to bring to the show. So if you have any interest in that, I will also put that in the show notes. But I was thinking for the rest of the episode, let's do a little practice run. I'm kind of nervous to share a story in front of people, especially at a show. And especially because I'm going first, you know, why not practice a little? So I'm going to read my story draft that I'm going to share on Friday to you all just a little moment of vulnerability on our 50th episode so I'm going to read my essay and then we're going to close out the show okay so there's not a name for it currently I'm literally calling it my generation women story draft so bear with me as I said the theme is wild at heart stories of bold moves and big choices so that's what this story is about summer 2020 was a weird one In the midst of a global pandemic, I temporarily relocated to my parents' house in Inglewood, a suburb of Dayton, Ohio. Two weeks quickly became two months. Every day I woke up in shock, surrounded by the lime green walls that I proudly selected in the third grade. Being home made me feel like a kid again. I was thankful to be with family, but being there reminded me of the boxes I used to put myself in to survive. Spending more time in Inglewood meant spending more time with my predominantly white group of childhood friends. Most of my girlfriends still lived in the Dayton area. Returning to my hometown reminded me how different I was from the people I grew up with. I found my community living in New York. My friends in the city were diverse, progressive, and open. At home, I found myself shying away from certain topics, not knowing how they'd be received. On May 2nd, 2020, my friend Anna invited me over for socially distanced White Claws. Anna and I met in our fourth grade class. I was new, and she knew everyone. Our assigned seats were next to each other. Anna's hair was so blonde that it was almost white, and she had big blue eyes. She took me under her wing, introduced me to her close friends, and saved me from eating lunch alone. 20 years later, we are still friends. I arrived at Anna's to the sight of a few of our childhood friends gathered around a pong table. Anna introduced me to her best friend Katie on the first day of fourth grade. Katie had long curly brown hair tied behind her in a ponytail with piercing blue eyes that matched the font of her Abercrombie graphic tee. Now, Katie, Anna, and I gathered at the far end of the table to chat without the boys. They asked me how living at home was going and if I was miserable living in Dayton. It feels like the world is ending, I admit. I'd rather be at home with my parents than alone in my tiny apartment in Manhattan, above a Taco Bell, with the constant ring of sirens in my thoughts, I shared. Ugh, we're so glad to have you home, but that's rough. Anna was slurring a little. She was drunker than I thought. She wobbled inside to get more drinks. She emerged from the side door with an armful of white claws and tossed one to Katie. Katie caught it triumphantly. My bitch. Anna started to say my in word in response. A racial slur almost escaped Anna's mouth and embarrassment washed over me. I wondered how in 20 years of friendship with a black person, Anna didn't grasp one of the cardinal rules. I didn't even say that word. Growing up in Inglewood, moments like this happened all of the time. When we played the neighborhood, predominantly black high school and football, my classmates said things like, I hope we don't get shot. I wouldn't say anything, at least not to their faces. Succeeding as a black woman in my hometown meant knowing which fights to pit. And that wasn't one of them. Anna floated over to the boys. Katie and I stood and made conversation about her budding teaching career. Inside my head, I replayed what happened. While I outwardly agreed that teachers were grossly underpaid. The sun began to set over the garage in Anna's backyard as the guy started to set up the projector for a movie. Anna was drunk and sitting with her husband. I waved goodbye from the end of the driveway. On the 20-minute drive home, I contemplated if I was going to tell my parents. I knew I would, but I didn't want to. We've had conversations like this for as long as I could remember. Back home, my mom was at the kitchen table with her laptop. How is Anna, she asked. Well, she almost said the N-word, so that was interesting. What? How did she almost say it? I need more context, my mom exclaimed. I hated having these conversations with my parents, not because they were bad listeners, but because they forced me to consider why I wanted to be in this friend group. I cared about my friends. I have since I was a kid. The nuanced conversations with my parents who don't love my friends in the same way were hard. I was defensive, even though in some ways I knew my parents were right. I had to say something to Anna. Days later, the perfect opportunity presented itself. My friend Erin invited me to a pool day at her mom's house. She and her husband were at Anna's party last week. Erin joined our crew in middle school, when all the elementary schools in the district combined. Erin had beautiful strawberry blonde hair with curtain bangs that were always uniformly curled to frame her face. She was wearing a blue bikini that made her green eyes sparkle. The pool day gave me the space to speak to Anna. Did I know what that conversation looked like? No. Was I going to have it anyway? Yes. A swimsuit wasn't exactly high on my I'm only coming home to quarantine for a couple of weeks list. So I borrowed a leopard print one piece for my mom, threw on shorts, and headed over. As we all got into the pool, the topic came up immediately. Okay, I brought it up immediately. I was not in high school anymore. There was no benefit to letting this go. Like most places in America, my hometown thrived on white supremacy. If you were white, Catholic, and Republican, you were in. I was none of those things, but I craved belonging so it was beneficial to my social mobility to be affiliated with those who were. Can we talk about last week? The look on Anna's face immediately indicated that she knew what I was referring to. Confronting white women about racism has never sparked joy. These conversations typically end in tears and I'm rarely the one who gets to cry. I needed my friends to see me. If these friendships were going to last, I had to confront feelings that I spent years internalizing in exchange for social capital. I survived years of questions about my hair, being called an Oreo, and hurtful comments about other black people. Another day in the life of a token black girl. I'm sorry, I got carried away responding to Katie. That was weird, Anna said, barely making eye contact with me. I have to ask, do you say the n-word when I'm not around? I really hoped the answer was no. I definitely don't say things like that, Anna said, sincerely. She refused to meet my gaze. I was drunk and just not thinking. I was frustrated. I knew that she loved me and wouldn't intentionally try to hurt me, but that didn't excuse her behavior. These moments have been happening throughout the duration of our friendship, I said calmly. I love you all, but I can no longer pretend that I'm not uncomfortable. There have been so many microaggressions. No one spoke. They all looked at me. Anna's eyes started to well. I didn't comfort her. For the first time, I allowed us all to sit in this uncomfortable moment. We will continue to have uncomfortable moments, but I finally said what I was really thinking. It wasn't friendship ending. It was actually the beginning of a new chapter, one where I don't censor myself and my friends see me for who I am, not who I was. Well, that was vulnerable. (laughs) Um, It's fun. It's been fun to share my writing. I get a little nervous, but that's the only like the second or third time that I've read it out loud. And I'm excited to share it on Friday, but ooh, nerves. It's kind of a preview of what I'm writing about in my book. Just basically the memoirs about my experiences growing up in the suburbs of Dayton, Ohio and kind of like what I went through and my friend group. And it's all really honest, which is hard because obviously, as you can tell in the essay, I really love these people. And growing up in Inglewood wasn't terrible. Like I had a really nice life um, in a lot of ways, Just like lived in a cookie cutter suburb, went to high school, had amazing friends. Um, we had fun. We had great memories, still friends with these girls. We are going on a trip together in March. Um, just like really dynamic friendships with really, really honest conversations as we've gotten older, um, which is obviously why I feel comfortable even sharing these things. But it's been hard, right? Like, I feel like I didn't really get a chance to be myself fully until I moved to New York. And I didn't move to New York until 2016. So, I mean, I was born in 93, so I'd lived a lot of life before I felt like I could fully myself. And so that's, you know, this is a small window and kind of to where the memoir is going and and what I'll talk about. But just wanted to give you all a sample of my writing since I've been talking about it so much. And just thank you, as always, for listening. And I'm so, so excited to share more. Thank you for listening to another episode of Define Normal. If you like the episode or have any feedback for me, please leave a review on the Apple podcast app. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Define Normal. See you next week.